Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. And of course, I am joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? JB, Mitch, great to see you guys, man. I, I am pumped to talk, talk some dynasty football tonight. It's been like a roller coaster weekend. I'm coming in with a lot of adrenaline here. It's, uh, you know, the dynasty teams did well. Happy there. Uh, DFS. 2K should have been 13K, but that's another story. Uh, Lakers are on tonight, game five, and my Cowboys are dysfunctional. So a lot happening, JB. There is a lot to digest there. We're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys? I don't know about you guys, but like the trade offers I've been getting just today alone, it's like everyone heard that there's going to be buy lows. And so now they just send total crap for your players. Like it is awful. I had a few good ones. I'll pull it up whenever one of you are going through one of your takes tonight, just to share, but some of these trade offers. Yeah. And I like to think that mine are okay. Uh, You know, so let's jump right into it tonight. And Mitch, you talked about buy lows all over Twitter Everybody and their mother, they're releasing an article saying, these are my top buy lows. And I actually have to touch base with my mother to see if her article will be released soon, because I I think that should be hitting the the airwaves here shortly. But buy lows, everybody's talking about them. There's some that just aren't buy lows, though. And we have a few guys we want to go through and kind of share our thoughts. So let's start with the one that consumed my entire day yesterday. And I owe it to you, Mitch. So I'm going to make you start. But DJ Moore, what are your thoughts overall here? And do we really see this guy as a buy low? Do I see him as a buy low? I see him as I don't want him on my team. I don't really know if that's a buy low or not. I think the whole dynasty community thinks he is a buy low because, you know, he was really hyped during the offseason and he hasn't produced on that hype. And so then he immediately turns into a buy low. And that's just, you know, kind of how it works out. There have been some people that have sent out offers and we've seen trades get accepted and people shared, uh, whether it was a DM in a group chat, whatever. And there are situations where trades have been accepted at a relatively solid price. I saw one, it was a 2021 first and a 2021 second for DJ Moore. And that was a trade that actually went through. But for a lot of these, it almost feels like, did you ever, did you guys ever see the movie Urban Legends? It's a horror movie, so I don't know if you've seen it, Mitch, because I know you're anti-horror movie. It's October. Get with it. But it's always like, oh, I have a buddy that knows a friend that knows somebody that did this. And the urban legend here is DJ Moore being a buy low. I have sent offers out, which I thought were overpay uh, situations. Two 2021 firsts, one of which I thought could be relatively early. One was Devontae Parker, a 2021 first and 2021 second. And I'm not seeing any luck. So yes, he might be a buy low strictly because of what you said, Mitch. He was so highly touted throughout the offseason. And he had that, that young breakout age. And you look at all the age-adjusted metrics and he pops off the charts. And if you do any type of analytical model, he's going to jump off there too. But Dan, what are your thoughts here? DJ Moore nobody's questioning the talent, but do you see him as a, a true buy low here? I might have to do like a social experiment after hearing your uh, take here, JB and Mitch fill me in pre-show of uh, the, the hot Twitter takes going on with DJ Moore. Um, I did a, I have one offer. I threw out there in one league. Uh, I offered Juju Smith Schuster, who's had a pretty good year. He's kind of revitalized himself a little bit for DJ Moore, And I got like instant rejected and uh, not even a counter offer. Really? So, Juju for DJ Moore straight up. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get him. Couldn't even even get a sniff. So I think that supports your your theory there. He is not a buy-low. I just think he's too young to be a buy-low dynasty. I think the Carolina offense is moving. It's promising. They got a bright future. I do see Mitch's take. I mean, for how high he was valued, he's not living up to that. But I'm with you, JB. Not a a buy-low. All right, Mitch. Sorry, I was just going to add in real quick. So according to DLF ADP in August, DJ Moore was wide receiver four. How far now do you have to go down the list 
in order to get a one for one trade done. Okay, you know so you, I mean? you you have the list up. Rattle through it. So below him was Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Juju, Mike Evans, AJ Brown, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay. I think Kenny Galladay is the first one that's close to him. Then it's Odell, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, Cal- Calvin Ridley. None of those guys are going to be traded one for one for DJ Moore right now. You'd rather have all those other guys. Now, if you, I, I'm pretty sure there was a Twitter poll today. Maybe it was today or yesterday, and it was DK Metcalf or DJ Moore, and DK was winning that poll. But okay. again, we, we always talk about it. Those polls, and I was so mad at myself because we were talking about this situation last week, and I had it reversed. I messaged you after the fact, Mitch. I was like, damn, I said that incorrectly. But in those Twitter polls, people that are voting for DK Metcalf don't have DJ Moore on their team. And I think I got it right that time because last week we were talking about James Conner. I had it flip when we were talking about Conner Nixon, but I, I just, I don't think that somebody that has DJ Moore is going to move him. I think Chris Godwin, I think you could get DJ Moore for Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. but th- that's four and five in the preseason ADP. Yeah. Yeah. And so a funny thing about polls, right? I was listening to Dan Patrick show on Monday and they were having a poll on who is the best under 25 QB right now. It was Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and I don't even remember the other guy. Who do you think won after last week's games? Um, it has to be Josh Allen. It went Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Wow. What shows you it's just everybody is the weekly bias is insane. It's all recency bias. And that's why that's what prompted me to mm-hmm. say I, I tweeted out also that next offseason, so going into the 2021 season in super flex startups, Joe Burrow is going to have a higher ADP than Deshaun Watson. Do I think that should be the case? I'm not saying that, but is it going to be? Oh, well, there's a very good chance that happens. Let's say Joe Burrow finishes the season top 10 and Deshaun Watson keeps floating around 15, 16, 17. I would, I, I, and I've already made a wager. I Surprise, surprise. I said that, Joe Burrow would have a higher ADP and you can have any thought or take on that that you like as fantasy football managers. We are very short sighted and we remember what we're lucky. We can remember what happened two weeks ago, but last week, just like you said, Mitch, Joe Burrow, he's the best quarterback under 25 per that poll. Hey, and ironically, you're bringing up Burrow and Watson again. We talked about him last week, and I, I think my take was, you know, who would I take? And I said Watson, but I, I had a reservation because of Coach Bob there, man. Bob GM, boy, he is gone, gentlemen. He is gone. There is life and hope again. So I'm going to be watching for that future hire closely when we get to the offseason, and that will be a big indicator of who's better. Two weeks ago, Joe dropped in the chat here. DJ Moore went for DeAndre Hopkins straight up in my league. Mm. So two weeks ago, I mean – it really shouldn't have changed that much. Uh, the first two weeks of the season, DJ Moore, he had a really solid target share. I, I think he was he had double digits in the one game, and I think he was around eight or nine in the other game. And there's been that little drop off in not just target share, but production, fantasy production over the last two weeks. I there's I would be shocked if a Hopkins manager wanted to ship him off for DJ Moore today. I, I can't see that happening. But Mitch. I, I got to get into it. I, I said I have a little rant tonight, and you know what it's about, and you prompted it. This is all because of you, so don't go on mute. Don't disappear. I want you to lead us into it because this is all because of you. I did. All I was saying was John was right. The Dynasty community overhyped DJ Moore because he is a target-dependent wide receiver who has no touchdown upside. And that was pretty much – I mean, I might have worded a couple words different there, but that was the tweet. And after that, everybody jumped in and they were like, every wide receiver is target dependent. I'm like, I realize this, but that's not really what it was about. But anyways, so it went all downhill from there for you. So it was around 12 o'clock. Let me, let me paint a picture for you. It was, it was, it was a nice 10. day. Well, it was a nice day here in Pittsburgh. I don't care what time it was in Utah. Dan, kick back, relax here. 12 <laughs> o'clock, Monday, Eastern Standard Time. Somebody comes out and says basically what you said that every wide receiver is target dependent. And let me rephrase this because when you look at that, yes, it sounds stupid. It really does. And I get that, you know, Peter Howard, he, he replied and I had a comment and I, I even messaged him today. Like jokingly, I was like talking about it, but he, he said, you know, the same thing, wide receivers need targets. And I said, yes, but you can't tell me 
that certain wide receivers need more targets to hit a certain level of fantasy production. And I liked his response, actually, even though I, I wasn't, like I said. And don't worry, Dan, I'll bleep out those, those D-bombs. But you look at DJ Moore, and I tweeted this, in 35 career games, he has six targets inside the 10-yard line, six. Kenny Galladay, he has 14 in his last 18 games. So you look at the different types of targets, whether it's red zone, inside the 10, those are definitely going to be valued differently than targets anywhere else in the field. And then you look at the average depth of target. DJ Moore, he's, he's certainly increased this year compared to 2018 and even 2019. But you can't tell me without giving me a freaking smart-ass answer or if you're somebody else that chimes in, I'm trying to bite my tongue here. And I think you can tell there, there's people, they want to come in and be very condescending and talk down to people. And they sit up on that throne. They think, that, Mitch, they think they're better than you. They think they're better than Dan and myself. And I, I can't do it. I said, I will go into a conversation being pleasant and respectful until I feel disrespected. And then I'm just going to lose it because I have no patience for certain people. Anyway, DJ Moore, yes, I said he is target dependent, but if we're going to rephrase that, the types of targets he currently has and he earns and he garners on a weekly basis, they are not the same types of targets and the value of targets that some of these other players get. If DJ Moore gets 120 targets for the season, he won't be a top 18 receiver. So write that down. If you keep a journal, I want you to put it in your journal. But, you know, so we're, we're talking about DJ Moore, obviously. I'm not saying he's not a good receiver, and I'm certainly not saying if he gets 140 targets that he's not going to do something with them. He just needs those targets. And I, I'm sure people are still going to say, John, it's not true because the average target is worth this many fantasy points. I don't care. I don't give a shit. All right? <laughs> I am telling you, DJ Moore needs targets. Believe it or not. Anyway. I don't even know what I want to say now. That's that's my spiel on DJ Moore. I'm sticking to it. You had a rough week at work, buddy. No, about uh, you, man. You no, know? work has been my getaway. Work, work has been great. <laughs> it's only Tuesday. Work has been fantastic. But it was going into that that first Monday night game last night, and I even said to Mitch, I said, "Hey, I'm putting my phone down for a while." Because I was ready to blow a freaking gasket. I really was. And I, I was biting my tongue. People want to give dynasty advice, play in dynasty leagues. Flat out. All right. So let's talk about a few trades here that happened recently with DJ Moore. DJ Moore plus Zach Ertz for Duke Johnson, a 2021 first and a 2022 first. Who would you prefer there? And I think this, this trade's a little light, honestly. It's not a buy low. That's for sure. So, so who, who do you prefer? I would rather have DJ Moore and Ertz. Agreed. And then this next one, DJ Moore for a 2021 first and 2022 first. I, I don't think that's a buy low. I think you're paying face value. So it's a fine trade, but I just, we're talking about all these buy lows. I just, I don't know. I don't see it in this situation. And then, um, you know, DJ Moore for Carlos Hyde in a 2021 first unless that's a really early 2021 first, I think that would be a buy low. I, Carlos Hyde, he's adding minimal value for me in the 2021 first. Yeah. I don't know. So before we move on, do you guys have any other thoughts? I kind of went all all nuts here tonight, but I just I, I had to get off my chest because I, it, it's been brewing. Dan, it's been brewing, and I've been stewing in this. You know, I think that was therapeutic for you tonight. We're here October 6th. <laughs> We're grinding hard five weeks into the season. Mitch, as you can tell, we have lost come... 20 uh 20 J jb that went into this new year with his new resolution uh i think he needed that little you know i need you need to let it out so that's good jb you, you, i see a big week coming for you big week i hope so and now we're really going to start to see and this is kind of off topic but we're going to see all those dynasty rosters where we preach depth mm -hmm. where it's going to come into play because guess what covid injuries now the bye weeks kick bye weeks yep and mitch your detroit lines they're not doing me any favors because i have so many Call uh, Galladay shares so many Stafford shares. It hurts me this week. It hurts me. I know I have a lot of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm like, ah, oh, at least I have backups in all those teams. But one thing I'll add is this is something that happened during it, and so yeah, I actually have to talk this through because I can't really do it on Twitter, right? If you give me ten targets to Danny Amendola, okay, 
you give me 10 targets to DK Metcalf, I'm going to prefer the 10 targets to DK Metcalf. You could tell me targets are worth a set amount all you want. It's not applicable in any way. Uh, situation goes into effect. I mean, it's great that we could average all of these things out and get that number that we want to come up with. But the fact is, fantasy, we don't want the average players. We want the players that are going to exceed that value. And so that's what I'm playing for every single time. I don't want to have to go and start DJ Moore and hope he's a really good Golden Tate. I want to go out there and I want Amari Cooper who could get me that 100 yards and get me a touchdown every single week. All right, well, this is right up Dan's alley. Mitch, you mentioned Amari Cooper. And in the chat, Soccer Z, man, J. That rolls off the tongue very smoothly. Can we get a temperature check on Amari Cooper in Dynasty and Redraft? He, I mean, he's been fantastic. I I think he's the wide receiver one overall in full PPR at this point. And to if, if you think, and Mitch and I, we, we gave Dan a hard time all throughout the offseason, but Amari Cooper... He was banged up a little bit last year. He had the plantar fasciitis. He had things going on. He's looked fantastic, and he's demanded those targets, and he's done a heck of a lot with them. Dan, right now, Dynasty rankings, where do you have Amari Cooper? Pretty much right where I had him going into the season. Uh, he was he was fifth for me. I had Michael Thomas, as everyone did. Now, obviously, he's injured, so I'm not going to kind of hold that up against Michael Thomas. He'll be back. Devontae Adams, uh New Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and Cooper. And, you know, me being a homer would take Cooper in drafts ahead of Godwin and Tyreek Hill, and I'm, I'm happy I did. Is This Dallas offense has done everything I expected, but even more because our defense is absolutely horrendous. And their coaching is also equally suspect right now because as much as I love the concept of keeping the foot on the gas pedal and pouring on these points, but to win in the National Football League, and I know, JB, you know, this – to you, you always say, hey, fantasy before real life. I like to have my cake and eat it too and have fantasy and real life good. In real life, when your defense is horrible, you want to keep them off the field and feed Zeke Elliott more. But for some reason, Dallas refuses to do that. Um, so Amari's getting a ton of volume. I do got to say, though, he was a little bit of a pansy at the end of the game when Dak threw him a slant and he didn't sacrifice for it and the ball was picked and the game was over. So I'm a little bit salty, but uh, he's getting the targets. I mean, you, you want Amari Cooper there. He is running great routes. He's catching everything. He's locked in. So he's definitely, uh, I'd say, you know, top five in my dynasty radar right now, as long as that offense keeps doing what it's doing. We knew there were going to be a lot of targets to go around, but I don't think anybody saw this many targets and this many yards and passing touchdowns to go around and opportunities. That defense, yes, it's it's bad for Dan and the Dallas Cowboys fan base, but it is fantastic for fantasy purposes. All right, Mitch, Carson Wentz. He's somebody that – it was a name that was dropped on the thread on Twitter, and I wanted to bring him up because he hasn't looked great. In terms of quarterbacks, he's 26th in uh, passing attempts that were on target so far this season. This season's young. There's injuries around him. That's been a big excuse. The offensive line has been absolutely awful. I made a joke that the leading wide receiver for the Eagles – was a guy named Joe that worked at the local gas station in Philadelphia. So what are your thoughts overall on Carson Wentz? Are you looking to acquire him? And do you think that price is going to be low enough for you to do so at a discount? So right now I haven't moved him down at all. I mean, I might move him down one or two spots out of the top 10, maybe to the top 12, but underneath him, I'm not going to be willing to take Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, any of those guys. So he is just, in that range to where I'm happy that I have him, but there's really no reason to go out to and get him at this point as well, because you're going to have to see that offense ascending throughout the year in order for it to pay off. And with those pass catchers right now, it's just not going to happen. So although if I have him on my team, I'll like I'll play him out because he's not really killing you each week. He's also not going to win you any games as well. And if you're in a league where, you know, I'll use Scott Fishbowl, for example, where you're losing points for incompletions and sacks. He definitely, he's dropping significantly. But in one of our group chats, and Dan, I'll turn it over to you because, you know, in, in the division, I think you have an opinion here on Carson Wentz. But somebody in, in one of our leagues, they said dynasty quarterback rankings at this point. And I said Mahomes, Lamar, Russ, Josh Allen, Dak. But if Dak gets a new deal, he's my quarterback three. 
Kyler, Burrow, Watson, Rogers, Goff, Herbert, Wentz. But then I said I wasn't married to the order of those last four. So Wentz, still quarterback 12, but that 10 to 18 range, I think you could really make a case for a lot of players there. And Dan, you talked about this all offseason. You want to get one of those top four or five quarterbacks to really anchor down your super flex team. And if you went that direction, you're not disappointed with top six at this point, Mahomes, Lamar, Russ, Allen, Dak, Kyler. If they're your quarterback one, you're thrilled. But now going back to Carson Wentz, what are your thoughts on him? You know, he he flashed on a primetime game recently, but it's a team talent issue here more than a Carson Wentz issue. You know, I watched that game and, and, I liked watching Carson. He scrambled. He gutted plays out. He did what he can. But, it, I mean, Travis Fulcom or whatever that guy, I might even pronounce his last name, Mitch, former Lion uh, guy that they cut, was like one of his better receivers. When that's a guy you have Fulgham, to rely on. I think. I think it was Fulgham. When you're relying on Travis Fulgham, uh, you, you got some issues there. So I'm monitoring this closely. You know, I went into the season having him in the 10-11 range. If I wasn't such a Cowboys homer, he'd probably be my quarterback too. You know, one of my two quarterbacks in Superflex. Uh, you know, at this point in time, you know, I, I age discriminate some. So there's some guys that might be better that I have behind them. But I have him around 14 right now. You know, I'd probably rather rather Joe Burrow, who, who's really passing the eye test for, you know, long-term potential, younger. Goff, I think just a more stable situation with the Rams. I told you I was high on Cam going into the season. He's been crushing it. I want to win now, so I'd be happy having Cam. But I'm not looking to lose Wentz by any means. I think to Mitch's point, he's not going to win you games. He's not going to hurt you. I'd be trying to trade him every week if I got good value, but I'd be just as happy hanging on to him next year and hoping the Eagles get better. Owen says, and Dan, I'm going to keep it with you, can you see him, him being Carson Wentz, losing his job to Jalen Hurts before his contract is up? I can't. I think Doug Peterson is too good of a coach. They got a good relationship. They have a lot invested in Wentz. Um, Hertz is just a gadget guy now, and I think he's long-term plans. You know, Wentz had an injury history, and the Eagles knew that. And if he's not hurt, they've got themselves a backup plan. But I don't see it anything beyond that. So I'd be confident with his job security. I mean, it's two years out, even if it happens. 2021, it's 60 million in dead cap if they want to move away. I mean, no, no one's going to get bitched when you have 60 million in dead cap. It's just not going to happen. And then the team Phil- has a talent issue, though, right? Like right now, oh, like in, yeah. two, in two years, Mitch, they have to make some decisions. And mm-hmm. I like to think it'll be building around Carson Wentz still, but they've got some things to figure out. And then Phil jumped in the live chat here and said Wentz is better when he scrambles. And I agree. And he has to scramble. He has to move because that offensive line is it's terrible. And we've seen quarterbacks that aren't mobile behind bad offensive lines, even though it's not the Carson Wentz or even the Matt Ryan caliber. But Josh Rosen back in Arizona, that was it was awful. And then I talked about Matt Ryan behind that Atlanta line. Yeah, he was moving a little bit last night on Monday Night Football, but he's when he turns on the Jets, it's pretty slow still. But you you have to be mobile when you're playing behind an offensive line. But I agree, Phil. He certainly is better when he scrambles. Let me throw two trades out that actually happened. Carson Wentz straight up for 2021 first and a 12-team Superflex. Mitch, what's your threshold there if you have Carson Wentz that you would move that 2021 first? Like it, it would have to be a top three. Like I would have to know I'm getting Lawrence pretty much or I'm getting Fields. It would have to be one of those. Otherwise, there's no possible way I'm going to move once for that. And that and it comes into play. Know your league settings. Know how rookie draft order is decided. If it's potential points, strictly record, whatever it is. But I agree with you. Now, let's say you have a team and you know you're, you're lacking quarterback depth or maybe – you relied on a Baker Mayfield who has looked good in real in real life over the last two weeks, but for fantasy, he still isn't doing it for you. Would you move what you think might be a mid-2021 first straight up for Carson Wentz? Yeah, I would do that for most top 10 quarterbacks, though. I mean, that's just how I would move them. The top three, they're staying on my team. If I have a mid-round and I need a quarterback, yeah, I'll do it. But that's also why I always have three quarterbacks, so I'm never in that position. And I also, also never have uh, Baker on my team either, so I don't need to worry about that. 
I know. I was laughing to myself earlier. I think I actually have one share, and he's playing this week for me because Aaron Rodgers is on the bye week. Dan, where's your cutoff? Let's say you're also looking for a quarterback. A random 2021 first, I think it's safe to say all of us would do that. But 101, 102, 103, obviously we you can't guarantee that. But let's just say that you could. Yeah, and a year coming up when Trevor Lawrence and Fields is on the table, I want those guys because I think they have a bright future, especially Lawrence. I mean, I am so high on Lawrence. I would have no problem losing Carson Wentz for, Wentz for him. But outside of that, again, I, I'm still a Carson Wentz believer. I, w- I want a guy that I'm going to feel comfortable starting every week. And one thing that I want to I want to say, and we have a few listener questions. I'm going to try to get to them here in a second. But if in your leagues right now, it's getting easier to see that separation. And you see those teams that are 0-4, 1-3. And, and, and one thing that I did, and I did it a lot this morning, and I was going through yesterday as well, look at the points scored and the potential points because there are teams that are 1-3. And, and Dan, I, I think one of the safe leagues, I think it's 128 maybe. Your team's not bad. You know, I don't want to toot your horn too much, but you're 1-3. I don't think you're ready to blow that team up yet. And... So I would say if there's a team that's 0-4, 1-3, low potential points, they have injuries, they had Barkley, Chubb, Eckler, even McCaffrey, and they're they're in your chat. And they're saying, guys, I'm, I'm looking to make some moves. I'm looking ahead to next year already. And they have Carson Wentz. You might be able to move what could be a mid to late first plus for Carson Wentz, and it can solidify and you can shore up that that quarterback room whenever depth is going to be critical here in bye weeks and with the injuries one more trade and Mitch I already know your answer here would you move Drew Locke in a 2022 second for Carson Wentz oh you're actually asking me yeah oh yeah I'll take Wentz and I'm asking because this is a trade that went through and we dynasty league football they have all this information under trade finder Dan you would make that move too yeah Wentz easy I'm not downgrading my starting quarterbacks for a fluff piece. You know, I mean, I like a second round pick, but not at the price of losing a franchise quarterback for a quarterback that I like, but I still have doubts on. And I have to assume that the person acquiring Drew Locke, their season might be washed. I I don't know why you would make that type of move to pick up a 2022 second. I just, I wouldn't make that move and give up Carson Wentz. But long story short, moral of the story, if the person in your league that has Carson Wentz in a super flex or two quarterback format is about to enter a rebuild or their own four, one and three bottom of the, the league in points scored look to possibly make a move like that because clearly people were down on him and it seems to be a player that might actually, you can get at a discount. One name that really came up cam Akers. I don't think you could buy low on him and I'm still not willing to pay the price that people would want Dan. Yeah, he's back this week. I mean, I know it's a committee back, but Cam Akers is the guy with the brightest upside. The Rams have invested most in him. Uh, coach, coach has said, that's my guy. So people are still asking high rookie value for him. So they're, they're, there's there's no buy low that I've seen. The one thing that I will say, though, is if Henderson came out and had a good game last week, he had 200-yard games in a row, then I would go out and say, yeah, people are going to be down on Cam Akers. But since Henderson had a good week two weeks ago, then Brown came in and played a lot more last week. Now all of a sudden Cam Akers is like, no, he's going to be the new guy again. And if Henderson had a big week this week, nobody would be talking about Cam Akers. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody. So <laughs> not, not just from the perspective, yeah, his price actually might drop, but nobody's going to be talking about him. And then J.K. Dobbins, that was dropped in there a few times. I, I, I think to an extent... If you have somebody, and I've actually moved Dobbins, and I've probably paid a little too much to, to upgrade for immediate production, but I, I think to an extent, this one could be seen as a potential buy low in the right situation. If somebody's rebuilding, they're not moving Dobbins at any type of discount. Any argument there from you two? I wish I could have more Dobbins. Yeah, so I think with Dobbins is, what are we considering the buy low? What he is right now? or what teams are going to be looking for when he's actually be on the field next year. That's going to be the trick. Cause I think right now you could technically buy him at whatever his value is, but we know it's going to ascend. So Dobbins is in that weird place to where his value is lower. Everyone knows it's going to be higher, 
So where do you individually have them in that, you know, sphere? And I think the, the, the fine line there and the balance is if you see yourself as a contender or rebuilding team, there's one league that I am 0-4 and, and I, I blew it up. You know, I, I was nowhere near a contender in that league. And somebody came to me asking about J.K. Dobbins. My price is a little bit higher in that league because I can sit back. I can let him collect dust the rest of 2020, and that's fine. Now, if I'm contending, that price is going to be a little bit different, and I might be willing to move him straight up for you know whatever running back name you want to throw out there that I wouldn't do when I'm certainly not contending. But I, I think in the right situation, J.K. Dobbins could be seen as a buy-low candidate. We're jumping over to the listener questions, but we have a few in the chat here that I want to throw up. Cactus Zach 423. I like that. Cactus Zach, Cactus Jack reminds me of WWE, of course. I've got these four guys in my roster. James Conner, Joe Mixon, and Kareem Hunt. Thoughts for the rest of the season. Mitch, how do you feel about that running back core? I think he's gloating, to be honest. Because <laughs> it's how I look. I mean, we're going to go through this when we go through the other listener questions. But when I'm looking, I want three good running backs. And he has three he could play every week. And then he has Mixon that he could throw in as well. Uh, even though Mixon blew up this past week, I still don't consider him in the same tier that those guys are now, especially with Hunt, with Chubb gone. So you have three good guys and Mixon, who is a great play on bye weeks. Yeah, he's gloating a little bit. I, I actually think Mixon, he's going to be, and we've seen it, what, two years in a row now. And I don't want to say, oh, it's happened the last two years. It's going to happen now. But where he kind of, picked up more steam as the season went on. But this year, more than ever, I think Joe Burrow, he's getting his legs under him. That that offense is starting to gel a little bit. Are there still issues on that offensive line? Oh, my God, absolutely. But I do think Joe Mixon, is he going to have that level of production we saw against Jacksonville? No. Well, maybe he will, but I, I highly doubt it. But Joe Mixon, I think he's somebody that's going to pick up a little steam here as the season goes on. And with Kareem Hunt, you now have a top eight back, I think, with Nick Chubb out. His value is skyrocketed. There was a poll on Twitter, who do you prefer in Dynasty? Kareem Hunt was beating Nick Chubb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that injury helped uh, Zach out tremendously there. So Hunt and Connor are just, I think, studs moving forward. And I think Taylor and Mixon, depending matchup specific this year, but they have the brightest futures. So he's got four solid guys. A lot of roster flexibility there. Yeah, I think it's a very strong running back room there. All right, first question that we had, and I like these because a lot of these are more philosophy-type questions, looking at your dynasty rosters, as opposed to would you buy or sell a player or you know trade or acquire. But Mitch, let's start with you. At what point do you know it's time for a rebuild? And I was laughing at one of the responses. Somebody chimed in and said, you know it's time for rebuild when you're asking that question. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's weird because we're changing it this year, right? We like if I have a team that's two and two right now, and I have solid depth that we've preached all off season, I'm going to continue to go, even if I don't really like the starting lineup that much. We don't know next week what's going to happen with which team is going to get hit with COVID, and so if I have a team. That's doing pretty well. And what I'll really go and do and look, I'll look at the all play, especially on F MFL. I don't know if Sleeper has it. I assume that they do. But all play is huge. It's just saying this would be your winning percentage if you played every team each week. And as long as that's not like 20%, it's up 40, 50, and I'm winning, you know, about half the games each week, I'm going to cons cons consider myself a contender this year. And one other thing, and I was thinking about this with my teams, and we, you know, I, I, Mitch and Dan, you do it, but I, I like to get in that cadence and hold myself accountable and show my results because I think that's very important if people are listening to us and we're giving advice, we should be holding ourselves accountable. And there's a lot of people that do it, but I, I wanted to jump in there and do the same thing. So every week, typically on Tuesday mornings on Twitter, I throw out my win percentage for the week in dynasty. And then I show what I've done up to this point in the season, my overall win rate, and then how many teams are four and oh, three and one, two and two, whatever. But one thing that I'm thinking about, especially the teams that have depth, if they're two and two, 
these next couple weeks could be really critical because, oh, I'm two and two. I'm not really in love with this team, but now I'm going up against teams that probably should beat me, but they had Aaron Rodgers and Stafford as their quarterbacks and they have no other quarterback. They had a Cam Newton. He has COVID-19. They have, you know, the Nick Chubbs, the Austin Ecklers with very little depth. So I would say, like you said, Mitch, this is a season we want to hold, hold a little bit longer because those depth pieces, they are going to come into play this year more than ever. Dan, what are your thoughts here? You know, you, you like to have a lot of teams that compete, but let's say like that one league, you're one in three. How much longer is it going to go where you say, all right, I, I got to do something here? I think it's a great listener question. Great timing for this listener question right now. As I evaluate my roster, similar to UJB, you know, I've had a lot of success. I'm 88% win percentage the last two weeks. And I do have a few rosters, though, that are one and two. I have a, yeah, two, two one and two teams. One, one and three. No, I'm looking at it wrong. Forgive me. You're going to cut that out when we go to the, the Yeah, the what's going on that, over that'll there? That'll be your edit. So I got a little distracted there. The Lakers just went into the second quarter there. They're winning it after one if anyone's interested. But anyhow, so I have a two and two roster and a one and three roster. And as I evaluate them, I'm asking myself, you know, are they low on talent? You know, can, can I still compete? And to me, like, I don't think rebuild is always the answer. And, and it's one thing we see often in our chats. It's like, okay, I'm either going to win or I'm going to blow this up. Like, why, why do you have to, like, be in first place or blow it up? Like, I think you could chip away at it. So as I evaluate my rosters, even the ones that are winning, like, I'm not overconfident at this point. I am looking each week at every roster and seeing how I could just make small incremental improvements. You know, and sometimes we get that big trade that we're excited about, and that's awesome. But, like, I got Eric Ebron in, the, in a league yesterday for – or today for um, Ian Thomas. Not Ian Thomas. No, because I'm starting to like Ian. Sorry. There's there's a buy candidate we could talk about later. Your boy, JB. He's starting to flash for me on film. Um, Irv Smith. Sorry. Irv has done absolutely nothing this year. I like the talent, but I'm starting to second guess it. And I'm excited about getting Ebron in a tight end premium league. So anywhere, those little improvements might make a big difference. If you came tonight for Dan to give you top-notch fantasy analysis, he might be better suited to do the play-by-play for the Lakers tonight. Uh, so I, I excuse his his blubbering over there. He's probably drooling. He can't even get the words out because LeBron James is is on the court. And uh, Mitch, before I turn this back over to you, if you have any uh, secondary thoughts, Dan hit the nail on the head. There isn't. It shouldn't be zero to 60 in two seconds. It's not, all right, I'm four and oh, I lead the league in points. I love it. I'm going to stay put one. You can always make your team better. You can pick up value. You can make some moves that can put you in a better situation. But again, if you're two and two or you're one and three, you don't have to completely blow it up. There are different levels of a rebuild. And I'm going to say this, the word I'm going to say, you're both going to make fun of me, but instead of a rebuild, you could just retool. Retoll, retoll. I like it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But I don't think it has to be all or nothing. And and Dan, it was a great point that you brought up. But you know, maybe move a a Tyree Kill if you can pick up, you know, a a Jerry Judy plus if you're going to enter a rebuild. But you don't have to go completely all out and just blow it up because then you might be looking at two, three, four year outlook. And at that point you probably should have just maybe stuck with what you had or make minor moves, Mitch. So I'm actually going to move this on to the next question, which is what's the best course of action when you're fairly sure you're not built for a deep run, deep run, but you're winning games. So I'm going to actually use, I hate using my own trades as an example, but so I'm one in three in this league. My team's okay. And it could probably maybe make the sixth seed in the playoffs, but I didn't know for sure. So what I did is I went out and I traded Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette, David Montgomery. I got two firsts, a second, and Ian Thomas. So what I can do is I still have one or two running backs that I could play. And if it ends up that I keep winning, I can move those firsts for other pieces. But if not, then I have those firsts that are can everyone's going to always want first, no matter what. I mean, they could be 1.14 in January. Someone's going to drink and someone's going to drink Julio Jones for the 1.15. You know, it happens. And so that's just, just try to move pieces that you know are going to depreciate. Like 
Todd Gurley's a perfect piece to move right now. He had two touchdowns. He's probably going to have a game next week against the Panthers. He's going to have another touchdown. Those are the guys that you want to move and you want to try to get picks. Always try to get picks if you can. And this is one too. Again, you look at, let's say you keep winning, but you're, point total is so low and I have teams like that. You just get lucky matchups because we talk about the variance. It's going to happen. There is a certain level of luck involved, whether people want to admit it or not in fantasy football, that's a fact. But when you look at your team, I, if it's a 12 team league and six teams make the playoffs, you just have to get into the playoffs. Mitch, you saw my, one of my teams last year. I, I tried to blow it up and I got first and somehow I made the semifinals and while I was still able to rebuild because I acquired a lot of uh, youth and, and future draft capital, I was still able to get in the playoffs. And you know, what was it? Two years ago, I, oh my goodness, I can't remember all the players, but the list of players in week 16 that were top tier all bombed. And I re, it was like Gurley, Kelsey. It was just like eight players. And there was one league I was going up against like four or five of them, and I managed to win with a team that had no business making the playoffs. So you can make minor moves along the way, like we've talked about, but just because, you know, it might very well contradict some things I said earlier, but just because you might not be one of the top point scorers, hang on, see how the season develops, especially if you have that depth, because if the 4-0 team right now takes a hit, you could creep in there very quickly. Yeah, I think, I think this is one of the biggest takeaways for our listeners is you just want to get in the dance. You just want to play in the playoffs. Um, from watching my rosters and all the conversations the three of us have had over the last few years, like I'm seeing it. It's you, I'm out of the predicting business for our dynasty teams. As long as they're in, I know they have a fighting shot. I, I've seen teams win that I, I'm still like salty that they won the championship because like I know they don't have as much talent as maybe some of the rosters that we're confident that we build. And then I have some of my rosters that have overachieved. So I think – it's the same to these last two questions. Just keep getting better every week as long as you have a chance to get in there. You know, not only trades, you know, stay active on free agency. Look at bye week. See where you can get small edges. You know, don't just look at this week coming up here in week five. Let's start peeking ahead a little bit to week six and see where I can make a trade or make a move that might help me two or three weeks down the road. Dan, you brought up bye weeks. And I, this reminded me because I did want to bring it up. And Mitch, you know, we get questions from people it might be their first year in dynasty. They're brand new and they're used to that redraft mindset. And there's nothing wrong with that. It happens to everybody when they first start playing dynasty. So that's not a knock on anybody, but if you're in a dynasty league and you see, Oh, I, I don't have a quarterback to play this week because uh, you know, I had Cam Newton. He got COVID drew lock was injured and there was a bye week or whatever it is. Don't think you have to make a move just to cover that bye week. If you take a loss, that you take a loss, but you don't want to make a move out of desperation because people know that, oh, Mitch is making this move just so he can get a quarterback for this week. It's a big mistake. It really is. Dude, I was trying to get Dan to do that earlier this week. Like He really <laughs> needed one person in a league. And I was just like, no, no, I kept trying to get Johnny Smith. I'm like, you know, you could trade me him. And Dan was just like, nah, dude, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but no, I completely yeah. agree. Like, I don't look at bye weeks because in we can't dynasty, know what you they can't, are. Yeah. You just, it just doesn't matter. Now, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to partially disagree though, because I, I think there's a scenario. Like, I think to your point, John, you want to take your advice and you don't want to panic. You don't want to trade away a guy that you're going to regret losing later just because of the bye week. So we have our core guys that I'm not moving no matter what, and I'm willing to take an L if I can't fill that spot. But there are certain guys on my roster that I have no loyalties to. So let's say we have three quarterbacks in a super flex, and you know David David Carr has a bye, and I'm not going to. And my other quarterback's injured, so now I have one quarterback this week. Well, wait, you know, wait, 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 which Carr brother was that? Derek Carr, you know, the, the Derek, the one I said. Um, so let me just keep moving. So I, if I could trade Derek Carr and maybe a third and, and, and get Teddy Bridgewater and, you know, maybe there's a better example out there, but I'm not going to regret losing quarterback of around the equal value because now I got a shot to win this week that maybe I didn't and that win could get me in the playoffs. So it all depends if we're talking equal value or to both of your points, I'm not going to lose value just to make that bye week. 
That's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point. And so in Dan's situation, he's looking ahead. That is much different than in my situation. I posted that screenshot on Twitter and I was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. I, I had two leagues where I didn't have a quarterback to play last week in a super flex league. And Mitch, before you say anything, I actually had three starting quarterbacks in both. And though the one, it was Drew Locke, Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I actually think the other one, it very well may have been that same combination because Jimmy Garoppolo was my guy. I, he was dirt cheap, you know, comparatively speaking. But I'm not going to go out and panic and make a move strictly to cover that bye week that we're in. But yeah, if, if you have, you know, a Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan, if you see them as, as even value, maybe that's a swap you make because you're looking X amount of weeks ahead. And I think that's a really good point, Dan. Next question that we got, and it's very specific. So Mitch, I'm going to have you start, but we could take this so many different ways and talk about so many different situations, but this person clearly was upset and they said, why is Adrian Peterson getting touches on first and 10 when the lions are down three scores? How high? Oh, and also how high is Swift's value as he's shown he's an electric receiving option. So let's talk about that first part of the question. It's bad coaching. I mean, that's the reason why, I mean, there's, Sad to say there's a lot of bad coaching in the NFL. They're just, uh, as much as we could see the talent on the field, there's reasons why maybe Adrian Peterson just does something in the training room that the coaches like, so they give him extra run. Frank Gore has to do something off the field that the coaches absolutely love for him to be getting so much work over all these other backs throughout the years. And it's just what happens. I mean, we know DeAndre Swift is a better running back than Adrian Peterson, but there's something that he's not doing or that Adrian Peterson is doing better than him off the field to where the coaches put him in. And honestly with the lions, I think it's Patricia trying to save his job. He's trying to play the vet. He doesn't want the rookie to make the mistake and he needs to get wins. So right now he's putting in his team at a disadvantage because he doesn't want to put Swift on the field and see a mistake. He would rather put Adrian Peterson on the field and see four yards and dust and no fumbles than see Swift drop a pass in the end zone. Oh man. I, again, trying to be positive. And the, the, the responses I get on Twitter sometimes, I think people know the reaction, like Dan, Mitch, you two love to poke and prod and you know, you're going to get a reaction from me. And I don't know if people are there and they, they, but oh, man, anyway, um, yeah, Dan, what are your thoughts? Because you talk about coaching, you talk about dysfunction all the time, and this is a situation Adrian Peterson's going to, and Mitch, you may have said this, I apologize, but I was engaging with somebody on Twitter there. But Dan, you, you know, Adrian Peterson, he's going to get his his work. He's going to get his first and second down role. But DeAndre Swift, I think, I think there's going to be a shift as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to have to do something. I think the Patricia sink, ship is sinking, and it's sinking fast. He's throwing players under the bus. He's getting the heat in the media. Mitch is, you know, makes a good point. He's going with this veteran. But the morale of that team has got to be getting lower. You know, you've, you've invested this draft capital on DeAndre Swift. You have a young guy in Carrion Johnson that, you know, outside of staying healthy is, is a good back. Like, that's a good one-two punch. And, you know, maybe you want a veteran presence to help those young guys, but to take over and run the offense like they are, and it's not working for them. They're in third place. I had two, or, I had four organizations I looked at as very dysfunctional historically over time going into this year. And the Browns and the Bengals are starting to get on a little bit of solid ground where you see a plan and you see a vision. And then there's the Lions and the Jets. That, man, like the Texans were catching up with them, and I'm proud that they let Bob go. Not that I ever want to see a guy get let go. You know, O'Brien had some decent coaching runs, but his moves as a GM were bizarre, and how they gave him that much power, I don't know. But, you know, if you have fantasy players on the Detroit Lions, I think you're holding your breath until Patricia leaves. I mean, there's a lot of issues in Detroit. Sorry, Mitch. No, I completely agree. The team's horrible. The more they lose, the faster he's gone, the better off everyone will be, including fantasy players. Cactus Zach 423 drops the comment. I saw Swift rage dropped in a 12-team redraft league. If you took DeAndre Swift, and Mitch, we did in some of the FFPC leagues, you have to temper your expectations, and they have to be realistic. But we've seen DeAndre Swift, and I haven't looked for uh, week one through week four, but up until last week, DeAndre Swift, in terms of routes run, he, he's he's – running a significant amount of 
uh, routes for a rookie running back and he's being trusted. And yeah, he had that drop. What was that week one, Mitch? Mm-hmm. If he catches that, maybe we're talking about him a little bit differently, but I love DeAndre Swift. I think he, and we're going to get into it. If you're rebuilding and you have a manager that's frustrated in dynasty, there might be a situation that you can acquire him at a reasonable price. But when people are taking these rookies, you have to know it's going to take some time, especially a team like Detroit and Mitch, you you've seen this year after year. So I don't think anybody should be surprised, but yeah, I mean, we're going to get frustrated. It's, it's, it's human nature. You want that immediate satisfaction, but I don't know that I, I don't know that we're going to get it here. And obviously we haven't through four weeks. Hector says he traded Deandre Swift straight up for, uh, cream hunt and felt great about it, about it. And Hector, I think I saw your tweet earlier and, and if you're contending, I'm perfectly fine with it. I, again, and I was somebody in the chat said he's running back seven up to this point, And I said that he should be a top eight running back while Chubb is out. Heck let's say four or five. I mean, Kareem hunt. We know the talents there just straighten out everything off the field. But yeah, if you're contending, I love that trade Hector. Um, all right. So last thing that, that somebody threw at us, it's getting to the point now that we're looking at trade targets, whether we're contending or rebuilding. So I want to go through Dan, you can go as in depth as you want. You can rattle off a few names, but you're a contender. Who are you looking to maybe make a move for here four weeks in to help get you to that, make that championship run? You know, some guys I'm looking at and uh, trying to look at this from a lens of who could I get? You know, I mean, obviously there, there's easy answers as big stud name guys, but are you really realistically going to get them? No. I know in the show notes, we talked about guys with injuries. That's kind of obvious too. you know, guys that, you know, are going to come back in some time, but I'm going to have some recency bias and some latest news and thinking that Deshaun Watson might be let free. And maybe there's a chance to get an elite super flex quarterback who really hasn't taken off in that offense, but just might be able to get that chance now. And uh, Watson and Fuller would be two guys on my radar there. Um, yeah, I'm still high on the cam train. And I kind of broke it into positions, John, the names I have. So I have the Watson-Fuller combo. I have Cam and Teddy Bridgewater as quarterbacks that I'm kind of, you know, again, thinking depending on my roster construction, different levels of quarterback that maybe I could get. Deep REM sleeper, you know, I'm the only one that's interested in the guys at the bottom of the barrel roster. I, I think Mitch busts my chops, you know, like, like caring about those nickel and dime players. But Cedric Wilson, wide receiver of Dallas, if any Dallas wide receiver gets hurt, you're going to want to have Cedric Wilson. And I have so much, as you guys know, shares of those Dallas receivers and players that I want to protect my investment. So I, I traded some fab today and I got Cedric Wilson just as an insurance policy. To get John fired up, Hollywood Brown. The air yards are there. All right. I was gonna mention him. Attainable. <laughs> I would love him on, on any of my rosters if I don't have him. So I might have to revisit that Hollywood Brown trade uh train there. We talked about Joe Burrow as far as the Bengals. I'm not saying Joe Burrow because I'm not gonna get him, you know, but his his pieces, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, Boyd, not always the sexy names. Uh, you know, looking dynasty where guys that could help me contend this year, but I think have a bright future. If Tyrod Taylor stays on the bench, the Chargers have kind of been bolstered. Eckler's out. Maybe a Keenan Allen, Mike Williams combination. One or two of those guys, now that they're slinging the ball a little bit more, are intriguing. And uh, just to touch on some tight ends, uh, Eric Ebron, again, he's starting to get a little rhythm with Big Ben there, and that Steelers offense is doing well. I think you could attain him. And Ian Thomas, I took some shares in DFS last week. And they paid off with a score. I'm not saying he's going to win you your league. I'm just saying you need a bye week tight end or a young dynasty guy. He's starting to get involved a little bit more. He's starting to get some some targets. You might get him cheap, and he might give you some depth. So they're my guys, JB. Typically, when we have questions like this, I always I bash Dan's list. I'm like, that's not a buy low or that's not a sell high. I would say 90% of that list, I'm on board with it. I actually really liked a lot of those players because I think they are attainable for a certain, certainly for a reasonable price, but especially if you're a contender and it makes sense, Mitch, who do you have? I mean, dad named just about everyone I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to bring up Brown. I want to bring up Keenan Allen. Um, I will bring up Josh Kelly. He's someone who I've already been getting yeah. this week. He's, we know that with Eckler out, he is going to get 65, 70% of the work. And 
Justin Herbert's actually really good. I mean, that's someone that I flat out missed on during the draft process. I think a lot of people did too, but I'll kind of own up to that. And But that offense is going to be good and they get to play the Chiefs. He's going to get a lot of work. They're going to have to score touchdowns. And so it's definitely Josh Kelly. And then um, since he named everybody else, I'm going to go back to David Montgomery. Um, everyone's going to be down on him because this last week they played the Colts defense. And until people understand, the Colts defense is the second best defense in the league. Outside the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're the top two, and there's no one really close to those two right now. And so, like, I'm still all about Demon. I think he's actually going to crush here in the next three or four weeks. Give it one more week, though. One more week because they have Tampa Bay this, I think that's the Thursday game, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's Thursday. So give it one yeah. more week because that, that's going to be a tough matchup. So if you're looking to acquire Montgomery, especially if a contender has him, I think that door might open because that schedule does lighten up significantly. And I talked about it last week. I said the next two weeks going to be rough against the Colts and the Buccaneers. And he, he still put up 10 PPR points last week. Yeah, he had like 18 rushing yards or whatever it was, but I bet there's going to be an opportunity for him. My contenders, the guys that I'm looking to acquire if I'm, if I'm a contender, a Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, three quarterbacks that especially if somebody, their, their season's in the crapper already, they might be looking to move on from the first two because of age, but then Teddy just because he's not a sexy player. We all know that. Julian Edelman, Julio Jones, John Brown, and then this is a really, if you're in a deeper league, 14, 16 team league, and or if you're in a 12 team league where you have 12 starters and you need a wide receiver that could possibly put up 12, 13, 14 points, David Moore. I'm not saying break the bank for him, but he is now all of a sudden a decent option in a really high powered Seattle offense. So I think he's somebody that's interesting. Golden Tate, you look at that offense, it's been awful, absolutely awful. But that schedule is also going to lighten up. He was injured. I think he's going to really get that relationship and that rapport back with Daniel Jones. Jarrett McKinnon, Miles Gaskin, two running backs. that Miles Gaskin, I think he's going to get used throughout the whole season. I think he's their guy in Miami. And maybe things open up a little bit more for him whenever Tua comes in. I'll be interested to see that dynamic. But Jarek McKinnon, over the next few weeks with Raheem Mostert out, Jarek McKinnon, he had like a 90% snap share this week. It was It was absurd. And he stayed healthy and he looked pretty good. And I want to go back to Julio Jones for a second. Yes, he's still going to be somewhat expensive, but based on what we saw this week, if you can send out offers maybe for Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, just because people might be impatient and they might be very frustrated with what they saw on Monday Night Football. Dan, quickly rebuild candidate or uh, players that you're looking to acquire if you're rebuilding. I'm going to fly through this rebuild, but one just little note on your guys, JB. The only asterisk I put on those, those old quarterbacks is don't give up a Carson Wentz like we talked about before for that old quarterback to win this year and then get stuck with an old quarterback in Dynasty for a couple of years to come. So, uh, no, like, no, nobody's tra- giving, I'm, I'm not tra- trade draft, like some draft picks that you could lose, a second rounder or some bum on your roster. Be careful what you trade. That's all. I, I, in no way am I advocating for any of our listeners to trade Carson Wentz for Ben Roethlisberger. So I actually, so all offseason, I felt horrible about a trade. I traded Daniel Jones for Drew Brees in a league last year. And I felt horrible about it because like the That's Saints. That's my point. Were, That's my point. Right? I did it. And then all offseason, right now I'm completely okay with it because Daniel Jones, you know, isn't good at football. But I mean, I felt horrible all year about that trade because I didn't win that league. No, but I'm I don't. Talking- I, I, I don't want any listeners cursing at you, John, if they make that Mitch <laughs> mistake from a year ago, and because because it can happen. It, you know, sometimes you get caught up with wanting to win now, and you, you just give up too much. So just be careful what you give. Is all. Well, not saying you right- would, but in any means, I'm just saying for our listeners in general, just to be careful. If any of our listeners make that move and move Carson Wentz for Ben Roethlisberger, my DMs are going to be closed because I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not taking that heat. No, I'm talking about future draft capital. No. I'm talking about. Maybe, you know, again, it's a rebuilding team that still might have a bet on their roster. Maybe you can package together something involving, I don't know, a Denzel Mims or a T. Higgins, something. And I'm not saying somebody's going to accept Denzel Mims for Ben Roethlisberger straight up. But if you can add to that, that might make sense. And then before we move on to the rebuild, which I want to start with you, Dan, Cactus Zach says, guys, Jamison Crowder deserves a shout. Zach, we've been talking about Jamison Crowder for – 
a year now. Years. If we can give Jamison Crowder a shout out, we are going to. He's been he's been very impressive, and he's going to be that offense's go-to receiver. So yes, Jamison Crowder. If you're a contender, maybe throw a feeler out. I don't think you get him for a second right now, straight up. Maybe two seconds if if the team with Crowder is rebuilding. So all these are very circumstantial. But Dan, guys that you're looking to acquire if you're rebuilding. Hey, and Dynasty Theory with Mitch, every year he trades for Jamison Crowder. So that's just taken for granted. But uh, going to the rebuild, you know, some thoughts on the rebuild here. And I'll be quick. I've been in, you know, if you take an orphan team or you're looking to rebuild, I'll often trade my elite player to give myself talented pieces. I don't want to give them away and then have like bare cupboards. But that's how I would rebuild first. I would get rid of that stud guy and get like three, four, you know, a combination of real good players that are going to help me win and some draft picks. Um, you know, get draft picks. I try to get a franchise quarterback, a bell cow running back, those kind of things. So if we're looking at players now to rebuild this year, um, Currently, right now, Damian Harris, I've been high on him in, in the offseason. So this isn't recency biased as of last night. I have a lot of Harris shares on, on my rosters. I've uh, been talking about him for the longest time. He's one of the reasons I won DFS money because I knew he was going to be good last night and he rushed for 100 yards. Same thing with James Robinson, who's entered in that category that JB's higher on. I think those two guys are nice young building blocks that are obtainable. DK J.K. Dobbins would be the one that may not be obtainable, but I just think he has a bright future with Baltimore. After that, I'm going to the rookies, guys, that we talked about way back when, when uh, JB, you had those nice fancy graphics up there of our, our, our top rookies. I still want the Antonio Gibsons, the Jerry Judys, the C.D. Lambs, the LaVisca Chenaults, the injured Michael Pittman, who I could probably get cheap now. I'm going back to the well and getting those rookies that I just believe in. Mitch, you're rebuilding, and I know there's not many situations you're rebuilding because you have some pretty good teams, but you're rebuilding. Who are you looking to target here I have heading a- into week five? I mean, I will say in the notes, you say like, don't just say picks. But the truth is a lot of my teams are in leagues to where potential points is what decides draft picks. If those are leagues, I am trading for injured players. Anyone who gets injured, I'm trading for them because if they're on your bench. They're not giving you any points if they're injured. And that's going to drop your score that much more. And then you're not actually losing talent there. You're just not getting points for that talent for that week, which is exactly what you want. And then after that, it's going to be the rookies like Dan mentioned, and I want picks. Those are going to be what climbs in value. I'm not going to trade for a running back. Um, I'm not going to go out and trade for Chase Edmonds and hope he gets the job next year because I'm already going to be taking a risk on that. I would rather have a second-round pick right now than go out and trade for Chase Edmonds because that second-round pick is without a doubt going to be going up in value. Chase Edmonds might at some point. Yeah, on the notes here, I said – Let's not mention picks because that's obvious, but Mitch still had to bring it up. And then any of the players that are injured longer term, Chubb, Eckler, Barkley, those are players there. They took a hit in their dynasty value, even if it is a six week injury, but you could acquire a discount from a contender. I Denzel Mims, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Dobbins to an extent, DeAndre Swift to an extent, which we talked about. And then the pair out there in, in Denver, Noah Fant and Drew Locke. I, I do think even if you're not high on Drew Locke, I don't think you have to move much to get him. That's the thing. You don't have to break the bank for him. And Noah Fant, it's a really short-term injury, but I was able to acquire him, and I can't remember the deal specifically earlier, but I acquired Noah Fant on a rebuilding team, and it was a, a deal involving, I believe it was Darren Waller, but his points weren't helping me because it was, potential points dictates the draft order. And one last one, and you, you have to do it now, Tua. And here's my here's my reasoning. We're talking about Joe Burrow being top eight dynasty. People are talking about Justin Herbert being top 12. If they're both in that category, you have to think people are going to have them ahead of Tua right now. He's going to be expensive. He's not going to be cheap. You're not going to get him for 2021 first. And that's probably not a move that you want to make if you're rebuilding. But you could package something together not necessarily aging assets, but more win now assets that you could get to it, but it's got to be now. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was named the starter for week five against San Francisco. This could be the last week, even though I don't think Fitzpatrick's looked bad. You know, I don't think he's looked bad, but two is going to get his chance. And if you're going to make a move, go make that move now. And then Joey, I, I can't even get to your comment here. Scale of one to 10. How worried are we about DJ Moore production so far? I think you tuned in. 
maybe 20, 25 minutes into the episode, go back, listen to the beginning because I, I get a little riled up and I think people are surprised by that because I'm so calm all the time, you know, so that's so out of, but you know, I, I think we got through a lot of good listener questions here and it's something that we're probably going to continue to do throughout the season because those are relevant topics and those are things people clearly want to know, but it's not just questions that one specific person has. I think it's almost universal questions that a lot of people are wondering about, and it's going to help people not just in the regular season, but help you make that push into the playoffs and that championship and going into the off season, bettering yourself for the long term. So I, I think these are a lot of good questions that we got. And I want to thank everybody that, that threw those in there. And then Dan, we're going to kick it over to you. Final thoughts. What do you have for our listeners? Hey, just take from tonight. Remember, chip away at your roster, whether you're contending or rebuilding. You don't have to be in first place, and you don't have to gut it. Other than that, showtime, baby. Let's go, Lakers. All right, Dan, I think we can get you out of here before, probably before the first half even ends. Mitch, what are your closing thoughts for the listeners heading into week five? I mean, We've talked about before, but stop making comments on other people's trades. It happened today, and I went back and looked at the person who made the comment. He hasn't made a trade in the Dynasty League yet. He hasn't made one trade, but yet he's making comments on other people's trades. Like, it doesn't do any good. It just burns bridges. Nothing good. It doesn't make you any smarter. Like, more than likely, you don't know any better than the people that made the trades in the first place. So just let people trade. And if you don't like it, then go and trade for that player, that asset that the other person just got. Like, oh, man, it almost set me off today, but I was good. I was good. Oh, if it were me, it would have set me off because I, 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 I hit that breaking point. But now, like Dan said, it was therapeutic. I could get it off my chest. I could, I could make peace with the situation. But yeah, mine. I like that, Mitch. But mine's more of like the psychological and social aspect of it. If you make comments and you put people down in your league, guess what? They're going to stop trading. And that's one of the most. That's one of the best parts of Dynasty is being able to trade. And if you have people, especially if they're newer to Dynasty and they're second guessing every trade ever now at this point because some a-hole has to make a comment just either nice trade or move on i don't think you have to break somebody down because forget about being nice or, or being rude it's just you don't want to burn that bridge and you don't want people to stop trading i love the activity so good trade bad trade trade away um you know the the chat we had a lot of people in there tonight we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe. As long as they're being kind to you, be kind back. <laughs> and have a great night.